like sports and you don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. You like sports and you don't care who knows. Football, football, bubble, tennis, hockey, golf. Sports are back, and that's okay, but you have to stay informed every day. Theathletic.com, that's my jam. In-depth coverage for the fan. But times are tough. Your money is tight. Save 40% with this link. I, theathletic.com, slash no dunks. Cool kids only, they don't want no punks. Watching sports is your number one thing. Reading sports, number two with a bang. Sports are back. Gotta follow your team. Annual subscription? That's the dream. Theathletic.com slash no dunks. 40% off. It's awesome as f***. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, July 30th. Happy NBA Restart Day, everyone. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here on the Zoom, as always, we got Tass Mellis. Smells like basketball. We've got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Ayo! Ayo! The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Leolis. Friend. And last but not least, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Big day for us at No Dunks. Tonight, following the Clippers-Lakers game on TNT, the second game of the doubleheader of that NBA restart, we're firing up a new late-night podcast series called Bubble Wrap. And the plan is to go live on YouTube while we record it. So we'll tweet that out. Follow us at No Dunks Inc. on Twitter. And then we'll flip that into a podcast overnight for all of y'all out there to listen to it whenever you want. In the morning, or maybe you're in Australia and it's nighttime. I don't know. I can't keep track of where you live. Also of note tonight for this first one, I'm going to be paying off my pick and payoff loss from way back in February. <laughs> I'll do that on the live stream, on our YouTube show, on the podcast. I'm going to be shotgunning a beer like I'm J.J. Redick or... Myers Leonard or Jordan Clarkson? I hope it's more Myers Leonard than J.J. Reddick. Um, I think it's going to be a lot more like J.J. Reddick. <laughs> I did, uh, I don't know if you saw, I tweeted it out this morning telling people that's what was going to happen. I was going to pay off my February pick of loss. Um, I asked Myers Leonard for some tips. Just some, some shotgun tips if he's got them. I, I've done it before, but it's been a long time. I mean, I'm old now. He said, he wrote me back <laughs> within 10 minutes. Uh, this is Myers Leonard. Legendary. Make a hole in the can about the size of a quarter, maybe a little larger, and then hold that can at an angle. Not upright, not flat, so it pours a little faster. I can't give you all my tricks, but those <laughs> should work. And then he wished me good luck. So thank you to Myers Leonard for, uh, for some nice little tips there. I mean, the angle one is big, and uh, I know you, the, the bigger you can make that hole, um, as, you know, you still got to be comfortable you know, drinking from it, but uh, it's going to pour a lot quicker the bigger that hole is, Lee. What a year 2020 is. You're getting tips on how to shotgun a beer from an NBA player and you're going to do it live on a show when the season should be over. I don't know. I mean, what the, what the hell's going on? You know? Who knows? Who knows? I actually feel like he's going to check in on you later tonight to make sure that it goes well, you know, that we don't get any cuts around the lips or anything with those mm. uh, aluminum shards. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe he could just straight up join us. Uh, JD, <laughs> I don't know if we have the capabilities to do that, but uh, Myers Leonard doesn't play tonight. The Heat don't play until Saturday, I think. Can we do that? Yeah, of course we can okay well good to know maybe we'll reach out to him see if we can get him on the zoom who knows what's going to happen with this late night show bubble wrap again we'll uh fire that up after the last game tonight following the clippers and the lakers or soon after at least 
Guys, we wanted to thank you uh, before we get into the up-down report, you the listener, for sticking with us here with no basketball. I added it up, guys. We've done 112 podcasts <laughs> since the season was suspended. March 11th, that was the final night. 112 podcast tasks since then, including this one. And uh, honestly, the people have still been here, downloading the show, listening to the show, tweeting about the show, writing an email. So, uh, you know, a big thanks to all the listeners out there for somehow still supporting a basketball show when there was no basketball being played. They say the season is a marathon. So is the off season. So is the hiatus. <laughs> That's a lot of shows. I even managed to slip a couple of cricket ones in there too, and no one uh, seemed to notice. So. <laughs> I looked back at some of the podcasts we were doing. I was like, what the hell is this one-on-one with Australian cricket legend Rob Moody? I'm ah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, who the hell was that? And why did we do that? But uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, but uh, we had a lot of fun, the film sessions and the squads and all that. Some of that stuff we're going to continue to do, I think, when we get to actual real off-seasons because we had a, such a blast doing those. Uh, but again, thanks for, uh, thanks for downloading the show. We truly mean that. All right, let's get into the up-down report. Preparing your tubes. It's the up-down up report. Yes. All right, late last week, while I was off living in a tiny cabin, you guys talked on the podcast about the NBA bubble game presentation. You know, the lights and the court and the camera angles. Um, but one thing you guys didn't really tackle were these virtual fans that they've now added uh, to the arena and the broadcast. Um, I don't know, you've seen the press release or whatever. There's 320 fans, I guess, each game invited to appear on this 17-foot video board surrounding the court uh, with this idea that they're like digitally interacting with each other uh, throughout the game. They're there. So, up or down on virtual fans being displayed on these video boards. Tass, you like it, dislike it, what do you say? I'm going to go up, but there are some major conditions. These fans can't just run roughshod over the NBA. Uh, I, I don't think we should have fans around the court all the time. I, I think we got to just sprinkle it in. I, I think I, I like the fans more behind the nets, to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I think you kind of it, it draws attention to the fact that there are no fans there when you're just mm-hmm. going virtual fans on the main camera right beside the sideline there. Uh, I like it uh, kind of just for free throws almost mm. because I, I'm I'm used to the video boards with with the, the colors and the graphics and the, and the team logos. Uh, I think it looks cool, and again, it's uh, it's just drawing attention to the fact that there are no fans there, and they they've just sort of um, you know put this in the last couple days. Opening night they had it for one possession. I think the Miami Heat uh, fans were into it. I like the fact. When they do do it, that they're in the home team's colors. And and so that adds something. Instead mm-hmm. of this, they're talking about the backgrounds being you know totally black and white. They're cutting out the backgrounds behind people. I like it, you know, supporting the home team. I, I think every fan should be supporting the home team with the same color they're wearing and superimpose them or just get 300 fans uh, to wear that same color. So it's, it makes less of uh, it are less artificial and it won't draw attention to the fact that there are no fans there. So that's all I got to say. Not the whole game. Too cheesy. Behind the nets, I think, I think if you put them behind the nets and only behind the nets, shooting percentages will go up. 
because they'll be uh, fan, go uh, up. Yes, yeah. Players will be used to it because they're used to fans <laughs> being behind the net. That's why percentages are down right now. Percentages in the scrimmages have been down. Uh, in comparison to the regular season, obviously that's bogus. But anyways, just have him back there. I think I think when we're, we got Kevin Harlan calling a free throw when uh, LeBron James is at the free throw line, LeBron to the line, and here are three hundred Lakers fans behind the uh, the net here drinking their Michelob Ultra. I, I like that. I think it's more of a presentation. I think it makes more sense than just having them the entire time. You guys agree? Yes, I'm uh, interested to see how the fans will interact with each other and how civil that will remain because uh, we know when fans get online, it could just turn into just a just a, a, a slanging match, people just insulting each other and it just getting out of hand. So I'm not sure if that's actually going to add anything. But, you know, the NBA is obviously just trying different things, trying to keep the fans involved, trying to keep them connected and saying, look, we know you can't come, but maybe we can sort of involve you and You'll get you'll get on the broadcast as well. Maybe you can say to your friends, "Look, I'm on this. Show. I'm in the bubble here somehow." So it's all trying to just keep that fan interaction uh, as as reasonable as possible under the circumstances. And um, it's one of those things. Again, we probably won't even notice or won't even be talking about it after these first few games because I don't think it's something that we're going to be. It's it's not going to be a huge talking point. So it's like we're talking about the basketball. Hey, there's a fan. Hey, wave to everyone. Then you just move on. So it's not going to be. Um, there's not going to be anything I think that's going to distract away from from the game. And if the fans can get into it and bring signs, I don't know if they're allowed to hold signs up. I think anything like that. I don't but, think so. <laughs> but I mean, I, I know because of course you know someone could hold up something offensive or stupid yeah. like that. But um, I wonder if there'll be some way of trying to have some sort of game, maybe you know, like like you know they've got a. Well, you want them to start the virtual wave? <laughs> there you go. Hey, there's an idea. If they can coordinate the wave, at least that's something that uh, could be fun. But yeah, it's, it's it's just again. I think the NBA. This is their focus. It's like fans, we're still thinking of you. We want the, you at the game as best we can, and this is the only way we can do it right now. Trey, yeah, uh, I'm a little bit tass. I hope they don't use it very much because I just like the uniform look of the graphic screens. You know, with the colors of the teams, and yep. when they cut to even when they would cut to like a Lakers girls, or when they cut to these fans, it just you notice the screens so much more. Once it changes, once, a, you know, it's basically a black background for all of the graphics they have on the side, then it's a grayish background or a white background for the fans and uh, the dance teams. You just notice it. You notice it instantly as soon as uh, they change. I can see why they want to build in a little bit of a home court advantage, something that could at least simulate a home court advantage. Something's got to be done, but I hope they keep it to a minimum as well. That being said, all things considered, I'm going up because I have it on good authority that Cheeve has been invited to be one of the fans for the Beantown Boys. I'm not joking. The bubble has been Cheeved. Wow. Okay. Oh, I'm down on this, but you almost changed my mind with that little tidbit at the end. If I'm going to see a bunch of green hats on my screen, I'm pretty excited suddenly. He's got to bring a fan sign, surely, then, doesn't he? I mean, it's not Cheeve without the sign. There could be a no dunks fan sign inside the bubble. That'd be great. Yeah, okay. That is cool. I'll go up in that case. I'm, I'm down, though. Just I don't like how it looks. I think it looks like crap, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. I get the idea of you want to like engage with the fans. Here's the thing. These 320 fans, don't worry. They're going to be watching their team's game, regardless if they're on this video board. But I just love, like you guys said it, I thought it looked slick. So nice when it's like their colors, their logos. That thing pops on the screen in the presentation. And then they just put these fans, which you can't even see all that well, let's be honest. And it's like... 
it almost appears like it's hilarious because like there's empty seats at times. I guess that person's gotten up from their you know Microsoft together call or whatever. Um, it just looks bad to me. I, I just don't like it. And uh, I am curious though, what are these fans? And maybe we'll have to talk to Chiefs. What are these fans <laughs> looking at? Like, are they just watching the television broadcast like we are, or do they have like a special sort of like there's a camera set up that only they're getting the viewing of? Do you know what I mean? Does anybody know? Uh, <laughs> great question. I don't, I don't know. I feel, it feels like they're zooming in just like we are. Yeah, right, exactly. right. But yeah. are they, okay, they're zooming in just like we are, or Microsoft, whatever the heck they're using. Like, Team are they world. just watching the NBA TV version of the game or the ESPN version of the game? Or is there actually a camera there that is, like, specific for them? Like, you know, like a, like a courtside view or something. I, I'm guessing they're just watching... They're watching the like game normal. and they, they get sent yeah. a Zoom link like okay. KD sends us, us sends okay. ours, and, uh, yeah. and they're like, all right, tune in. That's probably, they're probably watching it on League Pass or, or some something on their computer so they can be looking at their computer, right, rather than yeah, I a, guess. Yeah, that's a true. TV. Um, yeah. but. Otherwise, they're just looking off to the side the entire <laughs> yeah. time. Uh, yeah, because because there are different cameras as well, apparently, for NBA League Pass and the NBA app. If you're watching it on there... It's a little complicated this press release, but uh, I, I the the opening night when they had it, they just had it once, and it was the Heat fans, and it was Heat colors, and it was sort yeah. of designed for a one particular angle, uh, like it was set up like they're setting up a lot of these uh, the zippy camera on the bottom. It was set up to look cool, to be in the background, to have a flaming red uh, flames above this. Like it was just a digital, it was just it was just fan a video of fans really. Uh, it wasn't live fans. Once in a while, I think that looks cool, and I, and okay. I think it makes sense. But uh, I don't. You don't know. want it it's, up the whole time, though. No, it's gonna sort of look like uh, we're playing Guess Who. You know, like it's just <laughs> yes, yes, that's hot. exactly what it looks like, Tess. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Is your fan wearing a hat? Oh no. Is yes, yes, a, it's is your fan named I always was happy about uh, having a name, my own guy in uh, that game. <laughs> yeah, Trey and Tass didn't show up too no. often, and guess who? <laughs> no. Lee? I don't think there was a Lee. No, no uh, there might have been an LEE, but not, certainly not an LEOGA. <laughs> yeah. uh, LEE is the standard for uh, Lee's. Was there a Jason, J.D.? I don't know. I, to, I have no idea. I don't know if there was, though. I don't hey, think I so. I played that game a lot. I can picture my guy, Philip, man. <laughs> Chubby black guy. Cool, like, really smiley guy. That was awesome. All right. Oh, how about uh, that's a, that's another great IG live right there. You know, one on one. Guess who? I uh, call it guessing who. who? <laughs> all right, we got all the ideas here. Uh, all right, let's hear from you guys with all of these. Jump on Twitter, thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, especially on the virtual fans. You like what we've seen so far? See a little less? Love it? Let us know. All right, next one. Bam Adebayo is eligible for a contract extension this off season, but according according to Brian Windhorse, it's highly unlikely to happen. Due to Miami's plans to preserve cap space for 2021, quote, he's not going to get a max contract in the offseason. Wendy said this on his podcast. That's a storyline that I can almost guarantee for you. Bam will not sign a contract extension this offseason. It will be. Bam will take care of you later. Interesting. Up or down on the heat. Unlikely extending Bam to preserve cap space for, for 21. Trey, what, do you, what says you? It's a smart move, you know, from the team's perspective, from the Heat's perspective, to try and go after guys like Victor Oladipo and Giannis during the summer of 2021. They want to have as much money as possible. They've been successful 
uh, with that strategy in the past. But I always hate this, even though, even when teams agree on it with the player, even when they have the conversations beforehand, because you never know what's going to happen in the future, that this is the very first incident when there's a little bit of a break, right? Like, we never thought Kawhi Leonard would have ever left San Antonio, but they told him, we'll take care of you later. And then suddenly he gets hurt. He feels like they mismanages the injury. And then it's also like, oh, wait, you guys didn't pay me when you could have paid me. Same thing happened with Kevin Love in Minnesota. They gave him a four-year contract instead of the five-year contract that they gave to Ricky Rubio. These are all things that people talk about beforehand. It doesn't seem like a big deal. Until it is, you know, Mm. Bam doesn't seem like a guy that would leave Miami. Seems like a perfect Miami Heat. They do have his restricted free agency rights, but it's just a way that uh, the team can get under a player's skin and it could pay off. If they get Giannis, there's no doubt about it. (laughs) If they get Victor Oladipo, that's great too, but you're also risking upsetting Bam. And, you know, he seems like a player that's on an upward trajectory, a guy that could be the basis of a Heat franchise for a long time. So, you know, I don't know that they that the right move is to give him a max contract right away. I'm sure that would be great for Bam, and but you know, Pat Riley and the Heat want to do what's best for Miami as well. You're just taking a risk. It's a minor risk, but there's definitely a risk there. Yeah, I, I think um, I think in Bam's case, it, it is a little bit different just because of the uncertainty of everything that's happened as well this season, that the Heat are basically saying, we, we, we're not even offering him not extending. We basically don't have to because he is a restricted free agent. So we get that free hit anyway, if things don't work out. And if Bam doesn't like it, and he does feel maybe somewhat slighted because they didn't extend him as soon as they can, again, the Heat hold all the power here because they can sign him to the five-year extension when nobody else can. And, and teams, other teams can only offer him the four-year, which, of course, the Heat can still match anyway. So I, I feel, you know, when it's someone like Pat Riley and, and Nicky Ar- uh, Mickey Arison there and uh, Eric Spolstra, I would trust those guys that they aren't going to sort of look at him in a year time and go, you know what, we're not going to offer him that, that max anyway. I think it is more about their long-term plans here and they're saying bam you're a part of it we want you to be here we're just not going to do this uh, transaction until we need to in a year's time but uh, yeah if if you're bam's camp you're kind of like we don't care about what you want to do down the road we want you to take care of our guy at the first opportunity and give him the max contract if he's worth it is bam a max guy um i don't think he's an automatic max i think he's Mm -hmm. i think he's certainly close to it but um i wouldn't say he's uh he's that right now so another year of playing Maybe that's not even a discussion in a year's time when the Heat go, yep, absolutely, five-year max. Otherwise, maybe, you know, what if he doesn't improve, you know, continually like he has this season? Maybe sort of he, he, this, is, this is already his ceiling, perhaps. And the Heat are like, I'm not sure if he's worth all that um, in the end. So, th- so there's some, a little bit of um, question here for the Heat. But again, if you are BAM's people, I think you do just, you, you're, you're probably a little bit concerned by this because you would prefer your guy taken care of at the first opportunity. Um, but it, it's the hate, so I think you'll probably be okay. Because you, because there's a trust there that you believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do think that. Yeah, yeah. Tass, you agree with that? And I thought that's interesting what Lee said. Is Bam even like right now at this point of his career, 23 years old, like what, 16, 10, and five great numbers, an all-star on a good team? Is he a max player that you don't even think twice about? Lee, you hate handing out the max, do you? Just give him the dollars. <laughs> not I, your I, money, Lee. I, I, <laughs> yeah, and it's not even like the super duper max, right? It's the first contract max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what happens if he gets, um, I mean, if he gets first team next year, he would be eligible for that, won't he? I mean, I don't think he's going to make first team, but. Uh, no, I highly doubt that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know all the intricacies. I'm. I'm not a Larry Coon right now. Uh, that, that, that being said, uh, that guy is. The guy's an incredible basketball player. He's 23 years old. He's great on both ends. 
he's probably going to get better. Uh, he is he is a kid. This is his first uh, year. Uh, and listen, he'll I guess the basis is he can earn the same amount if they extend him this year for a max contract or if he trusts the heat he can do the same next year and sign it they just have this little window here where next next year in 2021 it free agency starts and uh, they can say hey Giannis we got some extra room because we haven't signed this big deal yet with Bam Adebayo, uh, so there's a cap hold. Well, now I am Larry Coon. Now there's a uh, <laughs> there's a cap hold number which is lower. But uh, I think if you sign him now, I don't think you even have to sign him to the max. Uh, I think because of that uncertainty, mm. maybe you can say, hey, yeah, well, you know, we'll creep it down a little bit, and he'll say, whoa, I'm a starter for my first year. This is my first year as a starter. Uh, I was an all-star, sure, but I don't know, this certainty of – getting it a little bit lower, like the Heat have done. That's how they got LeBron, Chris, and uh, Chris Bosh, and uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade. Wade. It was weird calling him Chris, just Chris. But, uh, <laughs> oh, that's how he got all those guys to take a little bit less money. I think they could do the same with Bam right now. So I think maybe financially it would be smart to do it. But, yeah, the cap hold, I guess, makes sense because uh, reducing that cap hold because they've got Kelly Olenek, uh, that they're paying, and that's a cap hold. A couple guys uh, like that that aren't playing all that much. The Andre Iguodala contract, not looking so good right now. They signed him to that two-year extension, essentially, after tra- getting him from uh, from Memphis. So they're kind of, they've, they've kind of hurt themselves with other deals. So now they're, I guess, trying to shore themselves up a little bit with uh, with all those uh, Larry Coon intricacies in the salary cap world. <laughs> Hey, you may not be a Larry Coon, but you're a Kevin Pelton to me, man. I'll tell you that. You're the... Give me a Danny LaRue. No, I could have gone Danny LaRue. You're right. You're right. You're right. All right. Well, from one Florida team to another here, uh, we got ourselves a trade rumor, Trey. Or at least another one, or a trade rumor that's resurfaced, I guess is a better way to put it. According to Forbes' Sean Devaney sources, uh, the Orlando Magic's Aaron Gordon will most likely be the biggest name traded this offseason. Quote, this anonymous Eastern Conference executive, he's a good gamble. He's only 24. End quote. All right, up or down? On the Magic trading Aaron Gordon this offseason, whatever the hell offseason even means anymore, (laughs) but what do you got, Tass? Is he gone? I think it's time. I think it's time uh, for Aaron Gordon to to be dealt. Uh, He's a solid player. But I think he'll always believe that he's a superstar if he plays in Orlando. And I'm not trying to psychoanalyze the guy, but and I'm not trying to get a lot from these scrimmages. But watch this. If you watch the scrimmages, he, he plays like he's a superstar, takes every shot that he wants. Uh, and, and maybe growing up six years in Orlando, he feels like he can do that. Uh, but it's not going to work. It's just it's not going to be a great team with him being uh, that type of role, and, we, and and people have written about like Zach Lowe's written about, and we've talked about he should be a Draymond Green type guy, like work off other people, be an incredible defender because he is that athletic, and I think he needs a restart. I think the Magic need a restart. I don't know how much they get for him, but I, I think to get the most out of himself and the most out of their team, I think it is. It's time, even though it feels weird to be trading such a talented guy from a roster that doesn't have super talented dudes uh, up and down the roster. I mean, they're yeah. they're fine, but it would be weird. But I think it makes sense. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, Aaron Gordon's one of those players that uh, has all these sort of flashes of potential in the world. Again, the athleticism is great. You know, he, he sort of improves his three-point shooting at the start of the season, but then it kind of tails off as the season goes along. And when you see him have some of those games where he, you know, he puts up 28 points or whatever, you think, Man, he could be so special, but it's the consistency. It's almost like a Jeff Green type of guy. You know, like 
very, very good on a good – when he looks good, he looks great. But he just goes games, you know, five, ten games in a row where you sort of think, where is he? What's he doing? Is he an offensive player? Is he a defensive player? Is he a facilitator? Can he create for himself? Is he a three-point shooter? Is he a stretch four? Have all these questions because we just don't quite know what he is. Having said that, I, I do think a change of scenery could really benefit him because mm-hmm. he's been in Orlando. They've only made the playoffs once. Maybe they make it again here in this little situation. But maybe he just needs a new coach, new team, new surroundings, and maybe someone will bring out those um, skills in him and, and highlight them rather than trying to sort of fit him into whatever position they need him for. Because I don't know if he's a if he's a stretch four or if he's just an oversized three. He sometimes sort of looks like a bit of both of those guys. So um, he's got the talent. I definitely would take a take a risk on him because he's young enough still that you, you can you can uh, mold him into something else. But he's an inconsistent player on an inconsistent team. And I just think uh, his time in Orlando is coming to an end sooner or later anyway because he's been in rumours now for at least two seasons, probably yeah. even more. Yeah, so it's just it's, a matter of time before they trade him anyway. Feels like we've talked about Aaron Gordon being traded a couple times here yeah. on No Dunks. He makes about $35 million, uh total over the next two seasons. So not a crazy, crazy contract. Trey, do you think he'll, uh, he'll get moved this offseason? Yeah, to me, it's got to be him or Vucevic, and Vucevic was just signed to a huge deal last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about, is he an oversized three? Is he a stretch four? Maybe the guy's a five, you know? He doesn't have a super consistent outside shot. People play a lot smaller these days. He's got the athleticism to be able to protect the rim. I wonder if a team could take a chance on him and say, yeah, he could be our Draymond Green, our P.J. Tucker, a strong, stout guy who maybe isn't very tall, but he can at least jump up there and help out at the rim because he's no doubt better inside than he is playing from the perimeter. And it just doesn't make sense to me to have Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and Vucevic. Like, those are probably your three best players and at the very least, they should all be playing four or five. Uh, you know, I don't, just don't think the Aaron Gordon ball handler experiment has really worked out on the perimeter. So uh, wherever Gordon ends up next, the team has to have a plan for him to be more of a facilitator, be more of a big guy, I think. You know, maybe they use him a little bit like uh, Ben Simmons is being used as a power forward in Philadelphia, getting the ball at the elbow, that kind of thing. Because the farther his game stretches from the hoop, I think the less effective he is. I think he can still be... Um, uh, an impactful defender. The Magic have been a good defensive team, and he's been a part of that, no doubt about it. But uh, it just doesn't seem to be working there. I think he needs somebody that's really going to be able to set him up. And the Magic just haven't had good enough guards while Aaron Gordon has been playing in Orlando. So wherever he's at, I think he's got to play a little bit more like a big guy, and he's got to play with a guard who's going to set him up. Well, let's play a little who says no. I saw Andy Bailey at Bleacher Report. He had some potential deals that he was chucking out there. I, I picked two of them I thought were somewhat interesting. The Spurs... Let's say they traded for Aaron Gordon. DeRozan, if he picked up his, and he probably will, his nearly $28 million player option for next season, a DeRozan for like Aaron Gordon and Al Farouk Aminu to, uh, to, you know, to make the books happen. Who says no? What do you magic. think? Magic say no. The Magic say no more. to a Nero? Give us more. Okay, so you don't yeah, want... You know, I the Magic so. do need scoring. I mean, they, they could use a score, and DeRozan can do that. Okay. Um, yeah, he's just an older guy. No, you're They've right. got an Evan Fournier. Okay, okay. what about not, this one then? This, one, this one's a little, uh, a little more interesting, maybe. The Nets package a deal for Aaron Gordon. You talked about it, uh, Tass. You know, you'd love to see him in like a... Like, forget being the star. Maybe you're like the second, if mm. b- even better, the third guy on a team. Oh, now we're talking. This is sexy. The Nets trade <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie. There's your score, maybe mm. for Orlando at the mm. guard. And mm. then you'd have to probably throw in like a, a Musa and a Claxton for Aaron Gordon. It would probably take a pick coming back it, for maybe the Nets to do that. What do you think of that? Something packaged around Dinwiddie for Aaron Gordon. 
I'm salivating. That's getting tasty. Okay, like that a think, little bit better. I think that makes sense. What do you guys think? I, I think that lo- logically it makes sense. Aaron Gordon playing with KD and and, and Kyrie. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I I think the Nets are going to try to move on anyway from someone like Spencer or Karis Levert anyway when Kyrie and KD come back. So yeah, I think Aaron Gordon in that sense would be a nice little uh, upgrade, or if you like, uh, for a position because he could be just that guy. Just run the floor, man. You'll get baskets. You'll get okay. your shots. You'll get your opportunities. You're not going to be the guy we're looking at to try to get 20 points a night, but you might get that anyway yeah. if you just play your role. So, um, yeah, and, and and if you're the uh, Magic, I'm just trying to think of their backcourt. You know, Fournier is there. Um, Markel Fultz. Fultz, baby. Oh, yeah, Fultz is there. So, Spencer, so a little bit of a logjam there as well for them. But Dinwiddie has shown he can come off the bench. He might not like that, might not be his preferred role. But if he was to embrace it, um, I like that for Orlando, giving them another scorer coming in um, as their second unit guy. Yeah, yeah. He could, they need scoring, in my opinion. Yeah. He could do that. What do you think, Trey, finally, on that one? I think the Magic would want more than Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, Aaron Gordon was a top-five pick, and he's still got the top-five pick pedigree. Spencer Dinwiddie, we love him, but does he have as good of a rep around the league as he does on the basketball internet? I'm not convinced. I also mm. don't necessarily think that uh, they need another sixth man. They've got Terrence Ross, you know. they got mm. a guy who can just come in and score 50 off the bench, so... You're getting another uh, one of those yeah. guys? You're getting another Terrence Ross for Aaron Gordon? Well, I don't different know. position, I, though. I, in this, hypo- really in this hypothetical... No one. Yeah, well, in this uh, hypothetical, I, I think taker. Dinwiddie would be starting for the Magic if they made some sort of move like yeah. this. Yeah. But, I think okay. so. Interesting. And whether or not he'll be the biggest name traded this offseason, that's interesting. Like, will Kevin Love get moved? Will... You know, Bradley Beal, I highly doubt it. They're going to want to see Beal and Wall. Zach Didn't Levine's we have a who says game. no for Zach Levine? Yeah, yeah, uh, Zach early Levine. On, yeah. Um, maybe just the biggest name move will be a top five pick if the Warriors grab one, which they should, and they look on, look to move on from that. We'll see. We'll see. All right, let's keep it going here. The Athletic Sam Amick reported last week that kneeling was likely coming when games resume tonight and that the NBA would not discipline players who protest peacefully and respect- respectfully. Brad Turner of the LA Times, he doubled down on that report, saying that the eight teams staying at the Grand Destino Tower, it's the Bucks, Lakers, Clippers, Raptors, Celtics, Nuggets, Jazz, and Heat, they had a meeting to discuss kneeling when play restarts. So we're likely going to see this tonight, I would, I would assume. Are you up or down on NBA players kneeling during the national anthem on opening night, if not beyond, uh, Lili? Yeah, absolutely up on this. I mean, this is, uh, I know it's against the, the rules officially to uh, kneel for the anthem, but Things are so different now, and the NBA is trying to embrace the social justice movement. And this, if players feel comfortable doing it, then they should be allowed to do it without any repercussions whatsoever. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you feel you want to do it, then go straight ahead. I mean, long-time listeners of our show will know I'm I'm anti-anthem before games anyway. I don't mind doing it once before this resumption and maybe once before the finals, but you don't need to do it for every single game. It's just a complete waste of time. And... It's one of those things that uh, people try to try to use it as some sort of sign of like, well, if you kneel, you're not being patriotic when I think it's actually the opposite of that. I think if, if that's what it means to you when the anthem is on, then you should be able to do it without anyone judging you for that. Everyone has a different uh, reason. I mean, this, this goes back, of course, to Colin Kaepernick and him not even being in the NFL. He's basically been banned from the NFL because he kneeled before the anthem, and that's uh, completely the wrong approach to take. Uh, if people feel that this is what they need to do during the anthem they should be able to do it when the anthem's done we just move on because um it's 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 creating a, a situation where people have probably not done it in the past for fear that it might cost them a job in the league and i just think that's uh that's absurd so for me 
go ahead, do it. And also remove the anthem from before every single game anyway, because I just don't think we need it. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf was he was suspended uh, back in the day. But um, I think this is great. I think uh, it's it's good that the players have gotten together and come up with some sort of a plan to have on opening night. But I kind of don't think it's going far enough. Um, WNBA players are leaving the court. The league has already come out and said, yeah, it's okay. You can kneel. It's already approved. Is it as much of a protest in that way? I don't know. Mm. I, when you see what the WNBA players are doing, literally leaving the court and then after the game, pulling a Lee Ellis and calling for the anthem to be banned from before every single one of their games, that's pretty powerful too. So um, this is a small step for the NBA, and uh, it will definitely uh, raise a ruckus. Uh, if you remember the Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf ruckus, I remember that even as a kid, um, yep. not quite understanding it as much as I do now. So it'll be big-time news. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because uh, it's not only going to be the Pelicans and the Jazz players, um, but I think the coaches are going to get involved as well. And so the swell of support um, from the NBA front office, from the Players Association uh, is real. It's palpable. You can feel it. Everyone is on the same page, unlike what happened in the NFL uh, years ago. This is uh, the WNBA definitely powerful seeing that team. But I think the scene will be powerful. I, you know, ESPN reported that the Pelicans and the Jazz, both both teams, all all the players, um, will kneel around the Black Lives Matter script on the floor, mm-hmm. and so that's going to be prominent. You're going to see that, and the coaches are going to join them as well. Uh, so it's uh, it, to me, it's it's sending a clear message to everybody out there watching that hey, we care about people not dying, and uh, I think it's as basic as that. And I, and I understand. Even like when, for instance, Nike um, did the whole Colin Kaepernick campaign and fans were outraged at at, at times. There was people burning shoes and and cutting up their shirts. But Nike (laughs) said, hey, uh, we care more about um, what the hell is going on in this country. And that's what the basketball, the NBA does as well. And uh, whether or not some fans are alienated, that could happen. but the issue is far bigger, and I think uh, I think everyone is sort of on the same page, and I think that's clear. I think this this league is is moving in that direction. So I, I am looking forward to the visual of it happening tonight. Yeah, I am as well. I'm obviously up on this. I actually think, like you were saying there, Trey, I think I'll actually be shocked if we don't see, um, uh, for lack of a better word, more extreme sort of uh, form of protests from either teams, the NBA players, whatever. Uh, I'll be I'll be flabbergasted if it doesn't happen and it doesn't mean we should know about it in advance it should be the opposite you know what i mean um so we'll see we'll see what happens tonight and through the weekend and uh uh, you know i I even threw it out there i had been thinking about it a lot you know a lot of these guys starting their zoom conference calls rightfully so you know demanding justice for brianna taylor and stuff like that continuing to do so asking the media to continue to do so i just wonder if these players with the power they have um you know, especially with it about to actually restart here, will there be even more extreme, like, hey, we're not going to play unless something happens. Hey, we're holding out until something happens. I, I mean, I know that sounds far-fetched, um, and, and I'm sure that would upset a ton of people, but how far are some of these players willing to go to, to get the point across here? I wouldn't be shocked if something, something along those lines from particular players, again, or teams or something, maybe, maybe happens. Maybe it does. Um, we'll see. We are going to see. Basketball is back tonight, which is crazy. Maybe it is, for all we know. Uh, we got a lot more up-down reports to still tackle here. Throw some thumbs on. But before we do, quick word from our sponsors. 
The final 22 teams have made their way down to Orlando and are ready to get back out on the court. While the ending to this year's basketball season will be different than years past, there will be not be a shortage of excitement. And there is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings will have not one, but two $1 million top prizes through the first two days of the resumed season. So get in on all the action now! If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick eight players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at one million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but if basketball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code RUN RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Speaking of skin in the game, let's talk Roman. (laughs) Uh, Did you know that on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities? That's basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman has spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or your computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or you want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash no dunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash no dunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping, baby. I hate to say it, but my couch is disgusting. Spending hours a day on it, looking at bass boats and reading about basketball. It's got some serious grooves and there is so much silly putty stuck in it that I don't even think we have silly putty in our house anymore. It's just couch at this point. That's why I'm heading to burrow.com slash no dunks right after this show because burrow offers unique couches with unique features that you won't find in big box furniture, store, sofas, or even the other sofas you can get online. We're talking built-in USB chargers so your phone doesn't die while you're looking at bass boats. Durable fabric that's naturally scratch and stain resistant so you don't get your lures caught in your couch. Uh, Is it silly putty resistant? There's only one way to find out. But you can customize your sofa to fit your decor and your needs, and now Burrow is more customizable than ever. Pick your fabric color, leg finish, armrest style, and length, and then you can add a chaise lounge or an ottoman or both. Either one, Lee, or both. Chaise lounge, ottoman, both. You got so many options for your feet. There are over 23,000 ways to customize your perfect sofa. That's insane. And you can change things up pretty easily because Burrow is practical and versatile. You can assemble your sofa or break it down in minutes. You don't need any tools. If your seating needs change, you can add or remove seats as needed. 
It's as simple as converting a love seat into a sofa, into a sectional, and then back. Love seat, sofa, sectional, back. Love seat, sofa, sectional, back. <laughs> back. You always get fast and free shipping. Zero interest financing. Go to burrow.com slash no dunks to get $75 off your purchase, plus fast and free shipping. Got to see the site for details. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash no dunks for $75 off. All right, back to the up-down report. This one, ooh, controversial here. Twitter delivered the versus we all really want to see this week. Cookies versus brownies. Jamela Hill shared her opinion, tweeting, chocolate chip cookies right out of the oven would demolish brownies for 20 straight tracks. Stan Van Gundy (laughs) took offense to that tweet, asking Hill to give brownies their respect. (laughs) So we got to ask it. We'll, we'll, We'll put it like this. Up or down on fresh cookies, you know, straight out of the oven, being better than brownies. Are you up on that statement or down, Tassie? I don't care about the fresh part whatsoever. Cookies are better than brownies. I, this, the, why is this even a question? It's, it's, uh, you don't have to throw that caveat on it. Cookies are better. There are way more variety of cookies than brownies. There's just... There's a whole world out there of cookies. <laughs> a standard chocolate chip, your peanut butters, your snickerdoodles, your cowgirls, your toffee bits, your oatmeal raisins. A brownie is a frickin' brownie. I would say the best brownie isn't even a brownie. It's a blondie. Way more tasty. Look, Google it. Do a little Google. Put the word <laughs> cookie in Google. Put the word brownie in Google. There are 11 billion hits for cookie. 257 million for brownies so cookies are 40 (laughs) times more popular than brownies i mean it's not a fair fight when you this 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 versus was just not fair like well okay hold on the versus too much there's too much world there's too much of a cookie world out there what about a cookie dough ball it kills a a frozen cookie dough ball kicks a brownie's ass a brownie is boring some brownies. Wow, you're talking cookie dough over brownie. I I was with you up until you went cookie dough. Okay, over I'm going extreme. I'm going extreme. <laughs> I'm 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 subtexting the verses with a cookie dough ball little text on, or tweet under there. I'm I'm subtweeting. I'm subtweeting. That being said, they're better. Okay, so well, do, does your opinion change, Tass? If it is just chocolate chip cookie versus a brownie, does your opinion change at all? Or are you still taking just the chocolate chip cookie? No, 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 no. No, okay. Um, uh, cookie, chocolate chip cookies will box the crap out of a brownie. It'll, <laughs> it'll knock them to the ground in a second. Oh, Lee, uh, you're, just, you're shaking yeah. your head here. See, see I, I took this as a one chocolate chip cookie versus one brownie. Sure. Okay. Brown, okay. A brownie takes a cookie to, to, to school every day, man. Brownies are way, are way better. Cookies need to add the chocolate in there because otherwise they're kind of bland. The brownie is just all chocolate. It's it's decadent. (laughs) It's It's just so, it's so much, you know? And the thing is, you mentioned all those cookie facts there, Tass, about the billions more. It's because they need all that support there because the cookie alone needs to be dressed up. The brownie is just a chocolate, slushy, chewy, nuggety thing that you just love. And you're Oh, always- now you're adding things. You added nuggeties. You added stuff. I'm just saying, when you, when you eat it, you're biting, you're going, I know I shouldn't be like, this is just too much for me, but I'm going to enjoy this one and that's it. Whereas a cookie, I think you need a few more than one. You need three or four to really get the full experience. Whereas mm. a brownie... By itself, in a one-on-one contest with one chocolate chip cookie, 
That brownie's walking home with a W easily <laughs> wow. in my books. Mm. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a battle here. So, Trey, where do you fall in this? Sounded like you were leaning towards cookies. Has uh, Lee persuaded you to go to Team Brownies? Well, you guys know I'm Team Brownies, no doubt oh, about it. Yeah, but... there's those nips. <laughs> but I'm taking cookies. Uh, all things considered, it's tough to botch a brownie. You're getting a good brownie 95% of the time. Somebody bakes them. You're getting a good cookie I'm going to go 85%. You can overcook them. You can undercook them. They can be mm. bad. You don't add enough salt. It's a little bland. I can get with you, Lee, but the peak of a cookie, a fresh cookie, getting the smell in your nose as they're in the oven as well. I think a, a cookie smells a little nicer than a brownie smell. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, but, yeah, put me on team cookies, but I don't really want to have to choose. For me, the idea would be cookie cooked on top of a brownie. You know, a cook brownie, brown cookie, whatever you want to call it. They probably have a real name. I don't know. I guess I'll pull a task, Mellis, and Google some recipes up in here. I heard there's over 11 million co- 11 billion cookie billion. recipes. Billion. I don't know. Some of those, some of those are just res- uh, results for looking up Magic Johnson's tweets, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> That's JD, like 75 million. JD, what do you think of this? Uh, fresh cookies, better than brownies. Uh, yeah, the brownie is the most overrated baked good of all time. <laughs> I would moly. I would take a stale cookie crumb over a fresh brownie. <laughs> and, Single crumb every time. Yeah, it's uh, it's the the best thing about a cookie is a fresh baked cookie is awesome. But the entire shelf life of a cookie is great. Like there's the middle part where it's not fresh anymore, but it's sort of getting to, you know, it's cotsome as Tassie would say. <laughs> and then even a stale cookie is great. It's just like it's crispy and it's still delicious. A brownie can get out of here, man. I, yeah, but brownies aren't sticking around all week waiting for you to eat it. It's like, I'm here, eat me now while I'm fresh and gooey and, and tasty. I don't are. want you to think, put me on the sideline for a couple of days. I'm ready now. Eat me now. I just came out of the oven. You talk about the smell, the aroma. Oh, man, when you open that oven and that uh, chocolate brownie stench comes out. Oh, my God. Stench. Oh, okay. I love it. Stench. stench. Yeah. Exactly. stench. <laughs> they, they smell a lot better than they taste. And I think that a brownie a brownie needs accoutrement. Like, if, I, if I'm eating a brownie, it's got to have some icing. It's got to have walnuts in there. But chocolate chip cookie is just perfection. Mm. Yeah, I think itself. that goes to what sort of Trey was saying. I saw someone tweet this. Justin Sands tweeted this. <laughs> chocolate chip cookies have a higher degree of difficulty, but also higher ceiling. A meh cookie is soul stealing. Brownies, low degree of difficulty, also a low ceiling though. You're not going to win anything with them, but you got to try hard to really F up a brownie. I agree with that. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm team fresh. Fresh is important to me. This is where I disagree with you, Tass. I like I only thought it was a fair fight if we were making the cookie fresh. I don't want a stale cookie. That that's crap. That's not good to me. I'll take a brownie any day of the week over that. But a fresh warm the stench uh <laughs> wafting up my nose oh, then i think we got a fight stench. and then we got a, a fair fight and that's why i go cookie there but uh whew. why are you throwing a stale why are you throwing the word stale well i mean there? a cookie does it's uh no you're both can both can be stale you're not wrong but uh i guess i prefer a, a stale brownie over a stale cookie well, <laughs> guess that's fair like, that's a yeah. tough call yeah Pretty tough call i think yeah 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 did, did you like growing up did you like those standard like individually wrapped brownies they're like in that plastic wrap you'd get them in a lunchbox mm-hmm. Mm. And there's a single little nut, or like a. a like <laughs> yeah, a, I know what you're talking about. It's topped a, with nuts. One. It's like one eighth of a nut, more than more than an actual nut. Or would you like a Miss Fields wrapped up for you? I mean, those are both produced 
weeks in advance. They right, both right. got That's mad fair. preservatives. I mean, I'm I'm sticking with my my chocolate chipper. Now, I understand <laughs> what Lee is saying with uh, you know you need things in it, mm. uh, but standard standard chocolate cookies, you can just go chocolate cookies. Those yeah. exist. Um, I'm, I'm flown with that. I'm going with that as well. You know, you get, there's so many texture varieties, crispy on the outside, chewing and some brownies are whatever. And my kids can make them. So they're not good. <laughs> cookies are harder for kids. Oh, au cookies contraire. are harder. Au contraire. I think that just shows it. Like there's a far less. Uh... <laughs> oh, this guy's in the kitchen with his chef hat now. He's speaking French. JD say accoutrement. So au contraire, mon frère. If you can do it with kids, then it's better because they want something easier and simpler, and uh, and then they want to be able to see. It. They don't want to have to go through all the hard yards of making a cookie. You know, perfecting the cookie, isn't it? No, just, just so Lee, 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 you're yeah. at a you're at your son's birthday party. There's yes. a picnic table with a bunch of food out there, a bunch of desserts. There's a tray of uh, chocolate chip cookies and there's a tray of brownies. Let's say they've both been uh, homemade, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the same person for the sake of the argument. Uh, can we say then it was your wife? Because I know she's a very, very good cook. Well, that's saw... that's the, that's the real wild card here. A yeah. cinnamon bun roll is gonna yes. knock both of these out of yeah. the park. You want to talk about a stench? My house smelled beautifully oh, yesterday yeah. when cinnamon. Norm was making up a cinnamon's fresh the goat batch. aroma. Sure. Oh my god, it smelled crazy, crazy yeah. good in this house. Cool. Um, but which one are you taking? A cookie or um, a cookie or a brownie on, on that? I'm going. Table? I'm going the brownie because everyone's gonna be the vultures are going after the cookies, you know, because they're like, all right, give me the cookie, and I'm like. Because they're more popular no, and it's better. Because that's like, like everyone's over there fighting over the cookies. It's like, yeah, but the better, the better uh, dessert or the better treat here is the brownie. So I'll just sit back and enjoy my brownie. And um, mm. yeah, I'll say, I'll say the cookie hits the cycle over a brownie. It's better in four <laughs> ways. The batter is better when it's okay. raw dog. Way better. A fresh cookie is better. A stale cookie is better. And a frozen cookie is better than oh, a frozen brownie. But see, yeah, you don't Ooh. want to be freeze, freezing brownies, man. They're, they're, yeah. Eat them on the spot. Eat them when they're there. Eat them when yeah. They're, yeah, because they're not good otherwise. <laughs> they're not good otherwise. Wow. Love, love the, the passion people are bringing to this argument. Let's hear from you guys at No Dunksing. All right. Keep it going. Back to basketball. Well, good news here for you, Tass. The New York Knicks and Tom Thibodeau are finalizing a five-year deal to make him the franchise's next head coach. This, of course, has been anticipated since the start of the Knicks uh, coaching search, but they first had to interview everybody named Mike, and they've done that, and they're going to go with Tibbs here. So up or down on the Knicks, giving Tibbs a five-year deal to coach them for, what, two years tops? Uh, what do you think, Trey? <laughs> Yeah, Knicks fans were feeling pretty sad about this when the news finally came down. They saw that big five-year number, and it was like, oh, no, not Tom Thibodeau. But I'm up. I'm actually up on this. Like you're saying, Skeets, he's not going to make it to five years on that Knicks deal. Don't worry about it, Knicks fans. They can afford it. You shouldn't be worried about James Dolan having to pay Tom Thibodeau even if they got another coach there. The team is going to get better. They're going to play harder. Their best players are going to play 40 to 45 minutes a night. Maybe it'll be bad for them come down the line, but your team has been a joke for season after season after season. They will be less of a joke, I do believe, with Tom Thibodeau as the head coach. He's not going to be in charge of personnel, which is good. You know, He's just going to be able to focus on coaching with it which is certainly his strong suit. And we'll see exactly what happens. You know, the offense was better than his defenses in Minnesota, which Mm -hmm. I think is kind of surprising for people. But I think Mitchell Robinson is probably a better defensive backbone than Carl Anthony Towns would be at that time in their career. Maybe Mitchell Robinson watches some Joakim Noah tape and becomes a really impactful defender. But 
uh, on the offensive end, I think the Knicks are still really, uh, really strapped for talent. They don't have that shot creator at this point yet that, uh, that a Thibodeau system needs, you know, because for him, with the Bulls at least, and even with the Timberwolves, there was a lot of, we got one guy, we're going to give him the ball, it's going to be a pick and roll, and we're going to see what happens. Maybe mm-hmm. R.J. Barrett becomes that guy. He wasn't really that guy as a rookie, but he was also a rookie. He'll get some opportunities. It'll end badly. I don't, I don't think that uh, the Tom <laughs> Thibodeau era will be fondly remembered, but, you know, to start with, I think it's fine. I think your team is going to be better. Yeah. Yeah, you have the Knicks having a better record in theory at least next year, which I know is a very low bar. <laughs> a but, very uh, low bar, and I just think they're going to be more of a professional team with a, a guy who has mm-hmm. everybody in line yelling at everybody 24-7. Yeah, yeah. all right. Lee, you uh, in the past have been a little bit more down on this decision, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, and the reason is because I just think he's a little bit too stubborn in his ways, Tom's, to be able to change. And But if he can change and if he can adapt, and, and by doing things, by giving a little bit more freedom to his assistant coaches, and to the players to sort of play under the way they like to play, he may have a greater impact. But I just sort of feel with him, what's going to eventually happen is he's just going to resort to his old ways of trying to be the control freak that he has been, where he likes to have everything, he likes to have the final say on everything. And I just don't think that's an effective way to coach anymore. It was in the past and it has it has worked for him in uh, in Chicago there for a while. But ultimately in the end, Everyone got sick of his voice because he's so demanding and so um, he's such a tyrant out there. And I think this is going to be the problem again with these young guys here with the Knicks. He's going to be yelling and screaming from the start. If they don't respond to it, then it's going to be a very short uh, time he has in New York. And it probably will end up being his last coaching job if things uh, end very quickly there for mm-hmm. him. So, um, uh, listen, I, I, I'll be more than happy if things work out for, for Tibbs, if he's able to adjust his style of coaching because I think that's what needs to be that's what needs to change I think he needs to be able to understand how to relate to players a little bit differently and how to communicate with them a bit more uh, effectively and if he can do that then the Knicks should improve Um, the other thing I will say about this whole process Tibbs has been tabbed Tibbs has been tabbed for this job basically from the start but the Knicks still went through that the process of, of interviewing all these people pretending they were actually a serious candidate when even before those interviews, it was basically like Tibbs has got this job. They're just going to do this stuff anyway. So um, yeah, again, but hold on, hold on. Play devil's advocate. If they had just said right away, Leon Rose comes in, he's like, "Hey, I know Tibbs. Uh, here you go. Here's the job." You would have been just as upset, going, "What? You should at least interview people and try and ex- yeah, open but they, your they, but they basically did that anyway. They basically said, "It's your job, Tibbs." Wow. Oh, hang on a minute. Let's not do that. Let's pretend we're uh, we're offering it around to some other. If people you believe doing. it was stri- yeah, strictly for optics, and it, you it think was one hundred percent, it was for optics. There was there was. Uh, I, I don't. I believe anyway. I don't think there was any real chance anyone else had. A, had well, it a, sounds like some of these mics might be joining him <laughs> on his uh, <laughs> as his assistant coaches. I think uh, Brown is in the mix, yeah. and um, maybe Woodson well, as well. Great. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Fine, but um, but you know those those people interviewed with the uh, hope and belief that they were interviewing for the head coaching job when I don't think it was ever really that open. But listen, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens. And um, you know, I I, I think that uh, Tibbs has been successful in the past, but ultimately he hasn't been able to adapt and, and adjust. And I think that's what he needs to do if he wants to be successful and and stay for that five year deal. Which <laughs> today thinking Tibbs will still be here in five years like seems like impossible that that will happen yeah. what's the over under on how many years he's actually there you would set it at like you'd set it maybe at two and a half but you'd probably yeah. set it at one and a half right <laughs> um yeah. with the with the way the next goes through his day was only one and a one yeah, and a bit, he didn't make he? two right yeah didn't coach one and a quarter he was yeah. there for yeah. 1.25 years because i was just looking at 
the head coaches there for the longest period of time, as they have been for a while, a, lo- a laughing stock. Mm-hmm. But they haven't had this hard-ass type coach, so maybe it's just a change that they need. He will come in there and try and hold guys accountable. He is a lot different than the Fisdale, the Hornacek, the Fisher, even the Mike Woodson who had a little success, D'Antoni. Now we're going into the aughts. We're going way back. You know, Isaiah Thomas, Larry Brown, Lenny Wilkins. They just they haven't had a hard ass, and so that's who Tibbs is. It hasn't really worked with young guys. It didn't really work in Minnesota in their two and a half years there. Yeah, they went to the playoffs that middle year, but he didn't appeal to Wiggins. He didn't appeal to Towns. Is he going to appeal to Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett? Are they going to buy in? Maybe the Knicks know something we don't. Um, maybe Tom Thibodeau is going to be reassigned to be James Dolan's drummer in year three, four, and five of this contract <laughs> when it doesn't work out because they're paying him. Hey, you got to do another job, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I, he's going to come prepared. And will these these players uh, respond? Uh, man, I don't know. I've, everybody thought Fisdale's a player's coach. It's going to work out. They didn't really respond night in and night out. Hard-ass Tibbs is coming in. Are they going to respond? It's, it's really tough to say. If that locker, somebody's got to be somebody's got to be his, um, you know, his mirror in that locker room his, to 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 carry that message in, into the guys every single night. One of these players has to be Tom Thibodeau light. He's and so I don't know who that is though. And maybe Taj Mitchell Gibson, Robinson. I would imagine, right? Yeah, he was there in Minnesota and in Chicago. Mm. Who's I missed your I missed Taj the name. Gibson? Uh, uh, Taj, I imagine wow. he'll be a guy who is a, a locker room veteran for them, but I don't know if he's I, there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Thibs, uh, he gets um, he gets the rap for not being good with uh, young guys, but Derrick Rose, long, youngest MVP in league history, turned Jimmy Butler into an All Star, most improved player who became a super max guy. Um, Luol Deng, he got when he was pretty young too, took him to the All Star game. Joakim Noah, defensive yeah. player of the year. Um, you know, you look at the Bulls, they've been a lot worse since Thibodeau's been gone. Timberwolves have even been worse since Thibodeau's been gone. Uh, I think having a guy there that holds people accountable is valuable for teams that are trying to turn it around. Yeah. If they want to buy in. If Joe and like Joe came known and Jimmy Butler bought it, they loved it. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. love being yelled at. They, that's, you know, some guys work off that. I mean, some guys thrive off that. Well, just, if yeah, they know their personalities and there's somebody in there to do that, like one of these young guys, maybe, maybe Mitchell Robinson's that guy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Tibbs also has the benefit in theory of new management. I mean, in the mix here in rows and, Obviously, Morris and stuff like that. You know, Steve Mills is not there. I mean, a lot of these coaches prior, they were dealing with Scott and Steve. And, uh, you know, I guess Scott is still around, right? Scott Perry. But, yeah, he you got know, reassigned. Steve Mills, yeah, he got yeah. reassigned. So, I mean, I, that, you know, it's not just the coach. They got to build this team like you guys are talking about. Like, who are these players that are going to maybe take on that sort of style that Tibbs likes to play? Like that, you know, gritty sort of style. And let's get on it on defense and let's just outwork everybody. You got to work hand in hand. I like that Tibbs doesn't have to worry about that part like he did in Minnesota, where he's got to actually try and like think of the future, but try and win games immediately and stuff like that. That's just too much, probably for any coach uh, nowadays. For the most part, you have to have two different roles, but they have to work hand in hand. So, yeah, I mean, the Knicks are going to be better. They can't basically be worse, although <laughs> that, that's blown that, up in yeah, our face before. Exactly, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you know, we'll see just how long this lasts with Tibbs. Au contraire. Yeah, yeah. Au contraire, mon frere. All right. Uh, well, we got a couple more here. Kyrie Irving. He is making sure WNBA players can sit out the season and not stress about a paycheck. The Brooklyn Nets star is committing $1.5 million to supplement the income of players who choose not to play this season. 
uh, in the NBA, whether it be because of coronavirus concerns or social justice reasons or, or other reasons. The WNBA season began Saturday, and uh, it's being played at the IMG Academy in Florida. So up or down, I mean, it's a pretty obvious one, I think, but up or down on Kyrie's $1.5 million commitment to WNBA players that want to, you know, skip the seasons for whatever reasons. Lee? Well, Kyrie's not just going to talk about it. He's going to be about it, putting yep. up his money. That's what it comes down to. A lot of the time, this is the sort of sing- uh, indication of how serious somebody is about doing something. $1.5 million. Now, Kyrie's earned you know, a-, a fortune already in his NBA contract, but still, you have to go out there and put that money up. And he's, he's basically doing this, leading the way, not asking for uh, anyone to sort of support him, but I'm sure people will when they see that he's taking the lead on this initiative. And I think it's great because the WNBA... Uh, players do get sort of underpaid, if you like, um, and in a lot of these people now, a lot of the players are sitting out for a reason to sort of show that something is more bigger than basketball. And Kyrie is trying to step up and say, "Well, I'll I'll help you out financially while you're uh, supporting the cause that means something special to you." And I think that's great. And uh, again, Kyrie, he's he's a polarizing character. You know, some people like to to pick on him for whatever he says and things that he believes in, but ultimately. He's actually stepping up to the plate here and saying, here's some money. I'm going to try to do what I can to support these women who are going out of their way, sacrificing their own career to go and, uh, for, for a, bigger, uh, a, a bigger goal, if you like, in life, or if they've been adversely affected by the coronavirus. So uh, hats off to him. Kyrie's great. And uh, I think and I hope we'll see more players contributing things like this. Yeah. Underpaid is an underestimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the top annual salary is something like $200,000. The right. top annual salary in the WNBA. And a lot of these women go and play in other leagues to make money. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, $1.5 is no joke. Do you agree with this, Trey? Uh, this is awesome. Yeah, he's putting his money where his mouth is. And this is a guy who has made a lot of waves with his mouth. So to see him uh, using his position to help people and to support uh, fellow athletes, fellow people who are uh, fighting for fighting injustice or you know fighting health concerns uh, i just think mm-hmm. it's really great to to see somebody actually follow through on what they said they were going to do uh props to Kyrie. yeah no doubt and it, it continues you know in an indirect way to bring light to the wmba situation and people continuing uh to gain notice that this is a really good league with really good basketball going on the message that they sent last week when the WNBA started and they are all wearing their orange WNBA sweaters. You know, they, I'm saying everybody basically in the NBA bubble. Now, were they given those sweaters to, hey, say, hey, take a photo, you know, throw it on. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but I think that's OK. Uh, let, let's let's continuously show that these women are really, really, really good basketball players. And we talked about number one pick. Sabrina Ionescu yesterday, and she went off for 33. She had a mean step back. She had lots of mean shots uh, yesterday. She's got a little lefty, almost a lefty hook layup going to her left from way down low, from the hip. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's there's a lot of talented players out there. So, yeah, they should be paid more money. And, and I, I think, you know, it, it's a... Uh, it's a little chicken chicken egg situation. More people hopefully will watch them. In turn, ads go up. In turn, ticket sales go up. And in turn, they do get paid more. And Kyrie, uh, obviously, assisting is a good idea. Yeah, Sabrina, 33-7-7. and Came in a loss. Came in a loss. They got a very young team there at Liberty. But, oh, yeah, my God. Those seven, sh- seven the highlights rookies. were sick. You're right. Like, the step backs were <laughs> like, oh, my God. She's going to be uh, – you're going to get used to those lines. For sure, those type of 33, 7, and 7 lines. That's the type of stuff she was doing in college. It's going to continue. 
All right, well, final one here. I don't want to look too far ahead, guys, uh, but the Players Association's Executive Director, Michelle Roberts, she told ESPN this week that returning to a bubble might be the only feasible way for the NBA to complete next season. I'm talking about next season right here. Uh, There had been some hope that next season, starting maybe in December, uh, would return to something closer to a normal season, not unlike what the MLB is trying to do right now, where at least... NBA teams would play in their own arena. There would be no fans, very likely, but you'd at least be in your own arena and maybe traveling around, stuff like that. The question is up or down on next season also being played in a bubble. I'll get it started because uh, my sources, my sauces, my multiple sauces, um, they have told me that the NBA is hell-bent on not having to do the bubble again and playing in their own arena. But you do wonder now with what's happened in the last week or so with the Marlins and what we're seeing with the MLB, whether like that debacle, whether that changes the plan here. And uh, it's pretty wild to wrap your head around. Like it's one thing to do what we're doing with this NBA restart for a couple of months because they're finishing the season and that's just the playoffs. But like then try and step back and go, imagine they tried to pull this off for mm. an entire season. <laughs> like, like even if it's an abbreviated like 60 game seasons, like double it up here. Exactly. Um, that it's, it's, it's untenable to actually try and pull that off. It's they're crazy. not going to be able to quarantine for six months. Uh, they're not going to stay no. in the bubble for six months away from their families. It maybe it would have to be a split season, right? Like you, you go in for three months, then you take a month off and you come back in for three months or something like that. But I don't know. After you see what's happened with baseball and how quickly the coronavirus ripped through the Miami Marlins, I mean, Michelle Roberts is kind of right. Maybe it will have to be a bubble for something to happen during the 2021 season. That's still a long time away from now. Who knows what uh, things will be like come December. But being in Orlando seems like the safest place for athletes to be, being in that bubble right now. But uh, six months, eight months at a time, that's just not possible for people to to do and be away from their friends and family. They can't do that. Yeah, Woj tweeted that like regional pods for extended periods are one of the ideas the NBA might consider. So example, like you're saying, Trey, a month or two inside this regional bubble pod or whatever, and then you're out for another month, and then you go back. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. wow. And it's all early planning. Everything's on mm-hmm. the table here. But sorry, Lee, what were you going to say? Well, I, I was just going to say, it sounds obviously a little bit crazy to do a bubble for eight months, but honestly, playing in their own arena sounds even crazier to me right now with players flying around in different hotels and different um, you know, buses and things like that. I, I think that's more dangerous mm-hmm. <laughs> simply because of the uh, chance of exposing yourself to the risk. So... I don't know what the right solution is. Perhaps even there's uh, two, two or three bubbles, you know, put 10 teams together in different yeah. locations, something like that. Um, but but again, you're still going to have to be in that bubble for, for a period of up to six months, which um, I don't think anyone would actually want to be in a bubble for that long, you're just playing basketball away from your family and friends. I, I don't think that would appeal. But uh, again, it might come down to, well, this is the only way we can play basketball if we do it in a bubble. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. It's up to the players to, to decide that in that sense. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I just don't know what the next 12 months looks like, to be honest with you. Like, it, it's so hard to figure out because things have gone very well to this point for the NBA in Orlando. Will they continue? Hopefully they had another uh, announcement yesterday that no further uh, positive tests have been returned, which is mm-hmm. great. But again, this is only for two months and this is only 22 teams, which will be down to 16 teams in a couple of weeks anyway. So things are very good, but uh, trying to sort of, um, you know, parlay this out i guess over the course of an entire season with 30 teams Oof, i don't know how it's going to work to be honest right what do you think tass up or down on the likelihood of this <laughs> like next year in a full-on bubble well i think what these last couple of months or what we're going through right now is showing is that the nba 
can do something which they haven't been done before, hasn't been done before, do something unprecedented. We're playing in the summer here. Never been done before. So maybe they have to push the season back even further than December 25th, which could be the new start day. Everything is on the table, I think. They, 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 they're adaptable, and I think Michelle Roberts is a great leader in saying, I don't know what the heck is going to happen in December. If you read all of her comments in, in this article, how is she supposed to know? How is she supposed to predict the future? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a, a regional bubble, like what they're doing in the NHL right now, it is only you know, two to three months uh, where they're playing in two different cities, Edmonton and, and Toronto, uh, makes sense uh, rather than, um, you know, just going in one city for a billion years. I mean, it, it, what you guys are saying with the, the a little bit of an intermission, like you're at the theater uh, and you're there for a couple <laughs> months and you take a break. Sure, that could work. But I think also maybe you just put it off and you say, listen, we don't know what the heck's happening here in 2020. Screw it. Uh, let's start in February and have a 60 game season from February to August or whatever. Like yeah. there's, there's, there's options on the board and there's just no need other than to figure out the CBA situation, um, which is important and how they're, you know, divvying all the money. Uh, that's important. I think that's more important right now, but um, everybody, everything is sort of being done right now. There's a lot of things being done right now. Hockey is a good example to take from MLB is a good example to learn from. Uh, there, and, and they've learned a lot from from various leagues around the world. So uh, I, I think they've shown a good uh, just a, a, a good uh, method or a good um, example here that they're adaptable. Silver and Roberts will work together. And uh, I'm sort of just in the, the position of wait and see. And they're smart enough to figure it out. What uh, what's baseball doing? Now, like seventeen people in the Marlins, you know, have the virus. Like, are they just being removed? Are they continuing to play? Has there been an announcement from the MLB? Well, they're they're going on with the season. They're just they're rejigging the schedule. I think the Marlins have all been pulled from the ocean, and they're not playing. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, they're that sitting in they're sitting in Trey's bass boat, and they're not playing right now. Wow. they're just, they're just they're hanging for a week at least until. Uh, Sunday, I believe they haven't played since Monday. I think they're not playing till Sunday, and then they're they're just kind of like, hey, we're flying by the seat of our pants here, right? And then just hoping this doesn't happen to other teams as well, and it's yeah. just like a yeah you know, a one off. Wow, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I don't know obviously a ton about it as I'm asking these questions, but even the little I did was like, this is the plan. This is what they're doing. Like, sort of just. We're going on as normal, just no fans in the stands? Like, uh, I don't know if that's going to work. Well, the reporting at The Athletic of it was crazy, too, where it basically came down to the shortstop on the Marlins was the one who made the call if the team was going to play. I don't know. Maybe you should have, like, an official be in charge of this. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. The shortstop out there is in charge of the infield, usually. (laughs) That's that's great. What's Jeff Blauser think out there? Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Uh, Well, no. Who knows? Exactly. Michelle Roberts is right. He's like... It might be in a bubble for all we know next year, but it's so far in the future. Let's just get through this one first. And the NBA comes back tonight. That's incredible. We're going to have the bubble wrap after the second game tonight on TNT. It is the Clippers-Lakers. We'll fire it up on YouTube. We'll tweet it out. We'll get the podcast up. We're going to have some fun. The return of the pick and payoff. I will be shotgunning a beer for my payoff loss from way back in February. But are we going to continue to make some picks here, Tass? Are we just going to fire up the, the pick and battle again? We love making picks. How can we say no? I, I think we got to do it. We, we pick one game nightly. It's pretty easy. Sure. And uh, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll probably have an August payoff. Uh, but why the heck not? We'll stick with the point spread. 
Uh, not just the winner, that's way too yeah. easy. And uh, yeah, pick one of the games. And there's the doubleheader, tonight, TNT, couple big name players, status still up in the air. The mm. Jazz are playing the Pelicans. And Zion Williamson, questionable, I think he's a GTD, he's a game time decision as to whether or not he'll suit up. He is in the bubble, he is ready to go. Uh, I, th- I assume he'd play, but who knows. Uh, I think we'll pick from the second game, though. Clippers, Lakers. Anthony Davis is questionable. He got the eye poke. He's playing in these, <laughs> or practicing in these goggles, mm-hmm. um, which, I don't know. Is he going to play worse? He's a game-time decision. He's also a game-time decision. So Lakers hosting the Clippers. LeBron, Kawhi will be out there. I say hosting because the Lakers are the home team. Um, and they're favored by four and a half points with Anthony Davis's status oh. up in the air. <laughs> Listen, these are going to be the most insane <laughs> yeah. pick-em picks of all time because we have no idea what to expect. Yeah. I mean, like the Clippers are missing like three yeah. guys, aren't they? There's no Lou, obviously. I don't Pat think Beverly, there's... Yeah. Pat Beverly? I don't think Montrez Harrell is playing? I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Harrell's definitely gone, not in yeah. the bubble. Beverly yeah. has returned. I'm not sure I don't if think Beverly's eligible. playing though. I yeah, I, okay, okay. Yeah, Lakers yeah. by Four and a half. Well, we got to make our picks here. So when we come back on tonight with bubble wrap, we'll have a uh, you know our first record who will be in the lead, or maybe we'll all tie with a loss. Lead, you have a feel for this one? What do you like? Lakers <laughs> no, are I have, by four. And I half. have no feel, but I'll just say the Lakers. I think the Clippers are just a little too shorthanded. I mean, who knows? Give me the Lakers by five. <laughs> okay, okay, Trey. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Lakers as well. I'm looking at this Anthony Davis picture. They're calling him Anthony Jabbar Davis. He looks great. And I'm thinking um, back in the day, like he played in goggles in high school. You know, they always show that picture of him when he looks tiny and he's wearing glasses or goggles. So this is going to be a throwback for him. On a throwback Thursday, they're running back the season and opening game. Clippers did win that game. Maybe I should change my, oh. my pick. But uh, give me the Lakers. They got a lot of guys around. <laughs> All right. Trey likes the Lakers by five. Ah, look. I'll switch it up. I don't want to start a pick them with everybody possibly going the same team. We don't know where Tass is going yet. But give me the Clippers. You know, they still got their best players. I mean, we talk about their depth all the time. Let's see it. Put it to work there, Doc Rivers. Kawhi versus LeBron. He always does well on him. So I'll take the Clippers to at least keep it close enough to get the win. Tass, what says you? Who flip the a heck coin, knows? Right? Yeah, flip um, a coin. Just yeah, flip I'll a coin keep... right now. I'm going to flip a headphone. All right. Oh, <laughs> oh what did it come up? What did it land on? Right. That's my right headphone. It landed on R. Um, the Lakers are on the right side yeah, of the screen. Yeah, I would I'm say that's the Lakers. Laker. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think that's <laughs> Flip a headphone. Flip a phone there. Oh, I love it. Okay, so three of you guys taking the Lakers to win by five points or more, and uh, I've got the Clips to either win outright or keep it close enough. Oh, my God. Pick'em is back, and uh, like I said, bubble wrap tonight. Lee, you said you had a tweet for us before we go here. What's yeah, well, on? tweet. I guess we're bringing back tweet of the night as well, so I've got a oh, couple wow. here to get us started. You can guess. You can see if you can guess who this is from, actually. Well, should so we happy. wait to do Tweet of the Night on time? No, show? I want to do this one now. Oh, Let's okay. do it now. Yeah, You know, nighttime right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy that the NBA is back today. Get to watch my favorite team, the Lakers. Yes. And my favorite player, LeBron James, with superstar Anthony Davis. <laughs> Take on the Clippers duo, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Paul George. And there's more. <laughs> NBA fans, don't forget, the first game will be must-see TV too yes. with Zion <laughs> versus Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Oh, we're back! Doesn't it feel great? Doesn't it feel great? 
you're googling you're googling cookie johnson recipes that's, that's what's happening as Trey said. Popped up. oh man all right so so okay we got pickums i guess i gotta bring back whoa boy later tonight uh, i guess yeah maybe tweet of the night back in the mix oh this is fun like very solid play that's not gonna work as well uh, yeah well we'll see we'll see well, you never know you never yeah. know we'll be showing love okay so tonight bubble wrap um uh, everybody make sure you have a, a coffee late tonight uh, especially you, Lee, you already look tired. <laughs> hey, listen, man. The first night, the first night I can always get through. Tomorrow night, we'll see. But tonight, okay. I'll be I'll be ready. I'll be pumped up. Okay, <laughs> excellent. That's what I want to hear. I want to see that energy tonight, gentlemen, with the first bubble wrap. Uh, and I'll be drunk anyway after I shotgun the beer. So join us late night. Get your questions in. Keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks inc. Can't wait to see you later. Basketball is back. This is gonna be so wild just to sit down and watch games that actually matter here. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. This is an inside information fact right here. The athletic salary cap specialist, Danny LaRue, is so next level. He's so badass. His slack handle is just at Danny. (laughs) That guy. Amazing. Embrace the day, people. See you tonight. You could stay.